Um, I'm not going to tell you not to worry about the smell because if you can actually smell yourself, then maybe that's, maybe that is something to worry about. I don't have to worry about smelling myself, just other people. And I'm not worried about other people that much because I'm maybe selfish. This one's radio episode 973 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well, 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 here we are back again for another uh, Q&A situation. You ask, I answer, just like we do at the end of each and every month. And for those of you who are new around here, like I said, this is something we do every month. Uh, It tends to be a little bit, uh, I I may tend to be a little bit long-winded. I don't know. You be the judge on that. Try to give good answers to the questions that we get. Uh, But if you want to get some questions in next month, the month down the road, whatever the the way, uh, however it shakes out, whenever you have a question that you'd like me to answer, or at least would be interested in hearing my thoughts about, uh, the best way to get your questions answered for the Q&A episode is to join the Facebook group. I get a fun little group over there. Maybe not such a little group anymore. I don't know. You know, I guess Facebook groups like, uh, you know, sometimes a thousand is huge. Sometimes a thousand is small. We're at, uh, what are we at? 1300, 1400, something like that. So we're, we get a, we get a nice little chunk of, of folks in the Facebook group. Um, but somewhere in the middle of the month, I put out a post that says, what are your questions for this month's Q&A? The people, you people, so uh, you respond with your questions in the, in the old comments and then uh, I try to rattle through them somewhat coherently uh, on the last Friday of each and every month. And that's what we've got going on today. So looking at some questions from the month of August. But again, if you want to get into, I guess I told you about the Facebook group. I should probably tell you how to get in the group if you're, uh, if you're new or haven't joined the group before or you're interested in adding another Facebook group because maybe, maybe you're like me and you don't really need any more Facebook groups. I understand that. But if you want to join uh, what we've got going on and, and trying to be the best running group on Facebook, uh, disruns.com slash Facebook is the link. Or if you just search for the Disruns tribe, the next time you're perusing around, maybe right now you're perusing around on Facebook while you're listening to this, type in the Disruns tribe, click to join. We'll let you in. And, uh, you know, as long as you don't prove to be uh, a pain in the tuchus, we'll welcome you with open arms, uh, keep you around. And, and again, look for those uh those posts in the middle of the month for questions and, and don't just wait for those to chime in though, you know, chime in, share some stuff, uh, post some wins, post some struggles, crack some jokes, tell some, tell some memes, no, tell some memes, tell some jokes, post some memes, uh, but make it, make it fun. Make it, make it what we're trying to be. Like I said, the best running group on Facebook. So anyway, let's get into the questions, shall we? Cause there are, there are a few, I didn't even count them this time. There's 59 comments not that there's 59 questions, but there's 59 comments. A few of them have some replies and some follow-ups and some things like that. So I don't know, maybe 30 questions. We'll see. Going to be a long one. Buckle up. Hopefully this is a long run, long run for you if you're listening on the run, because uh, we're gonna we're gonna be a minute. But let's uh, let's get cracking. First one from Lesterberg in in, uh, in Dakotas in South Dakota. Here we go. Um, how well does training for a long flat race translate to a slightly shorter trail race? And I said South Dakota, North Dakota, whatever. They're all the same. They're all the same, John. Uh, how well does training for a long flat race translate to a slightly shorter trail race is the question. Honestly, I would say quite well, quite well. Um, and, and here's why. I mean, like aerobic fitness is aerobic fitness. And, and yes, on the surface, there, there, 
they're two different things. And I, well, on the surface, aerobic fitness, aerobic fitness, we'll get into this a little bit later with another question. Running fitness is running fitness, even more specifically. So while you're training for the long, flat race and not doing as much climbing, as much vertical, as much up, as much down, and all those things are certainly different. And all, you know, the, the, the specificity of running uphill, of climbing, of hiking up, of running down and, and opening up your stride and, and going so you're not beating up your, your quads too much and just beating up your body too much in general. Like, yes. In an ideal world, you'd be able to train for for something like that on some trails, getting used to the you know reacquainting with the technical requirements of running on the trail, and just and just the difference between climbing and descending and running flat. At the same time, if you if you've been training for this long flat race, this twenty four hour type of race, twenty four hour type of race, like your your running engine is strong, is strong, and so. Like, yeah, you might struggle a little more on some of the uphills. Some of the climbs might be a little bit more uh, of a challenge than than they would have been had you had more time to train on on some hills. Um, but I think what you'll find is for your slightly shorter trail race coming up after the long flat race, um, you're not gonna you're not likely gonna fade nearly as much towards the end of that race as you might have had you been stronger on some of the hills. Had you done more more training for the the shorter trail race. Um, just because of that aerobic base, that, that running base that you've built up, logging so many miles, so much time on your feet, uh, you know, those gains are going to transfer well. Um, again, is it perfect? Maybe not, but do we live in a perfect world? Certainly not. So, uh, I think that, I think that you'll find that there's a lot of overlap, that there's a lot of translation that, that you're going to be, uh, assuming that the long ra- the long flat race goes well, assuming the recovery goes well. Uh, you'll be in a good position to have another good, strong race in the in the slightly shorter trail race situation. So, good luck. I, I, I know I've, I've uh, uh, looking forward to hearing how both races go, um, but I would I would be pretty confident that you're going to be in a good position for race number two. So, thanks for the question, John. No, another one from John as well. Uh, Follow up: burrito or chimichanga? Now, this is this on the surface should be an, an, a real easy question, right? I mean, it is a real easy question. Should be a real easy one to answer, but it's not. And here's why: um, I like Mexican food. Um, my problem is, is I don't always know what I'm getting into before I order, and so, and I feel like this is like like whenever we get Mexican food, like maybe not whenever, most of the time, Rebecca orders a chimichanga, and I just don't know what it is. Like, I feel like, and maybe I'm oversimplifying, I feel like a chimichanga is just a deep fried burrito. Um, but like, I don't know. And I feel like I know more about what a burrito is. So like, if I'm going to ever order one or the other, quite honestly, neither of these are, are my go-tos, but if I'm going to order one or the other, I'm going to order a burrito because I, I feel like it's the safer pick. Now, but then, then you start to get into the, the situation of, is it a wet burrito or a dry burrito? And I, I do not want a wet burrito because I, the sauce, the sauces are what scare me. Cause I just don't know. I just don't know. Um, so I guess I'll take a burrito. Um, but, but again, I, I, when I go to a Mexican restaurant, like the biggest things for me when it comes to ordering are like, I need a picture. Like, don't just tell me it's a chimichanga or it's a taquita or it's a this or it's a that. Like, like I'm, that doesn't, that doesn't speak to me. I'm trying to learn Spanish, but even those things don't speak to me. Like, I don't know what I'm getting. I need a picture. 
and I, I get a picture, I get something that I, oh, yes, I like this. This looks good. We got the rice here. We got this and we got the that. And we got the beans and we got the that. But yes, now I'm in. So this would have been a great question, John, to just give me two pictures. I could have said A or B. Probably would have said the burrito picture. Um, but yeah, I guess I'll take a burrito because I just, I don't really know what a chimichanga is. Even though that's what Rebecca always, almost always orders, I still don't know. And I want to know. I want to know. But uh, thank you from the, for the questions, my friend. Uh, next batch coming from Kansas from uh, Ryan's first one. Uh, race pace. What are your thoughts on going for a pace faster than what 99% of your training has been? As in training for ultras, but have a marathon mixed in asking for a friend. Well, my friend, tell your friend that I am all in on this training philosophy. I love it. Um, as a heart rate training guy, I mean, this is pretty much what I do. Um, at least pretty much what I've done for every race I've run in the last three and a half years, you know, since, since 2017, since December, 2017, when I started down this little heart rate training, uh, path that I currently am on, um, every race I've, I've run has been way faster. My pace for the race has been way faster than the vast majority of the training I've done, except for, you know, maybe, maybe Marine Corps wasn't because just all the Hills, like I just knew that I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to hammer that day. Um, but even then, like I, I bet if I went back and looked at my pace for that race in 2019 versus what my paces were for normal training runs at that time, I, I can almost guarantee you that it was faster. Maybe not significantly faster, but certainly faster. Um, but the races that I've PR'd both marathons and 50 Ks, um, like definitely was running one minute, minute and 30 seconds per mile faster over the course of four hours, five hours, six hours. I mean, like absolutely. So, so yeah, I'm all, I'm all in on the idea of, of racing faster, uh, because ultimately like that's, that's what, whether it's heart rate training, effort-based training, 80, 20 math zone two, like whatever, like th- those are the principles. Those are the sound foundations of, of training your aerobic system to be a, a, a better endurance athlete is to train slow or train slow, train low in terms of intensity, train, train low in terms of, of effort. And then on race day, like you can just get out there and go. So, you know, not like you're going to try to run your marathon at a sprint pace after training for an ultra, but yeah, you want to go out and push the pace a little bit, listen to your body, trust what it's telling you and go like you're going to be, you're going to be fine. And unless you way overcook it at the beginning, you'll probably be pretty darn strong at the end because of all the, the training you've done for your ultra time on feet, yada, 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 all the things I say every month, all the things I say in half the, the quick tip episodes, you're going to see it play out firsthand or your friend, sorry, Ryan, your friend is going to see it play out firsthand and your friend is going to be pleasantly surprised at how well he or she feels at the end of the race. So tell your friend he or she is in a, a very good position based on all this ultra training that they've been doing. And now just jumping into a marathon NBD. Uh, next question from Ryan. What are some little known destination races with smaller field of runners? Like not a major marathon, major, a major city type of race that are musts or highly recommended by you. So great question, but, I, but I, I'm going to caveat this question or my caveat, my answer by saying, you know, something that I, I feel like I've been pretty consistent on and that I'm not going to recommend a race I haven't run. So, um, which, which dramatically cuts down the number of races I could, I could mention because I've heard so many great things about so many small city races or small town races or, you know, small destination type of races or, you know, maybe not even what you would necessarily consider a destination, but, you know, could be a destination, uh, maybe not like beach tropical destination, but you know, I've heard lots of things about smaller races, which 
certainly my my cup of tea. You know, I like a race with the, maybe a thousand, couple thousand people at the most. Um, that's that's perfect for me. So some races I've run that would fall under that that definition, if you will, as far as race size, maybe a little bit flown under the radar type of races that I would certainly recommend. Um, in no particular order. One would be the Pocatello Marathon in Pocatello, Idaho. Again, maybe not your ideal destination, but like when I got out there, I was in, and you know, this is coming from a guy who hasn't spent a lot of time in the mountains. So just the mountains in, in, in general, just like inspire awe and beauty for me. Um, but like, it was beautiful out there and I wish I had more than like a day to be, have been out there. Um, but there was all kinds of information as far as like springs and hiking trails and like, like outdoorsy types of things to do. Um, but the race is over like Labor Day weekend annually in Pocatello, Idaho, easy flight into, into Salt Lake city, like a two hour drive. So pr- and pretty easy drive. Um, so like, I feel like that could be a des like, you know, again, it's not a, a tropical destination, but like, if you like some outdoors and some, some springs and some hiking and some just, you know, kind of small town, cool marathon, uh, almost all downhill, which, you know, can give you a little bit of a boost if you're, if you're comfortable running downhill, um, small race, like definitely recommend the Pocatello marathon. It's not a lot of hype, not flashy, but you know, small, small field that I would recommend. I would absolutely go back and run Pocatello again. So there's, there's one, um, another one on the list, big beach marathon. Maybe that's a little more destination because it's on the, on the, the Gulf shore of, of Alabama. Um, problem is it's in January. So it's not like exactly beach season. Uh, but if you're coming from, you know, again, if you, it's all relative, right? If you're coming from, from Fargo or from Vermont or from, uh, you know, somewhere, somewhere up North where you got eight feet of snow in the middle of, of January, uh, it's 60 degree day on the beach might sound pretty tropical. So a uh, big beach marathon, again, smaller field. Um, and I, you know, I guess full disclosure, like I'm, I'm kind of friends partners with, uh, the, the junction three one one, which is the group that organizes that race, puts it on. Um, but I had a good time there. It, it's, 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 a you might be alone a lot, especially for the marathon. Um, lots of kind of zigzagging through like a national, uh, maybe it's a state park. Nat- nat- I don't think it's a national park, but whatever through through like a, a wetland preserve area. Um, but good environment, good vibe, uh, good post-race situation, at least, you know, probably maybe not so much. I don't know what it's going to look like this year again with the pandemic continuing to be a, a, a factor, but post pandemic, it'll be a great, a, a great kind of post-race party situation. Um, so I, I would recommend that one. And again, that's in, in, uh, January in Alabama, um, Kiwa Island in South Carolina. That was a good one. Uh, Ki- the Kiwa marathon. Um, and of course all these have like a half, I think half of them have a 10 K as, as well. So different, different distances. If you're also, you know, not looking just at the marathons, um, but small Island, uh, on the, on the coast of South Carolina, the, the, the ocean coast, um, like a, a definitely a destination resort type of island. They have some major golf tournaments there. Um, they've had the PGA Championship, I think, a couple times. Uh, so lots of golf. If you're into golf, like there's a good way to to go run and play some golf, or maybe family plays golf. Um, but that was a good one. Uh, definitely small, and that was. Uh, it's been a while since I ran that one. I think I ran that one in like 2012, maybe. Uh, so it's been almost a decade. Um, so maybe that race has changed a little bit since then, but it was pretty, pretty low key, lots of backs and forths because you're run, basically running all around the Island and ins and outs of neighborhoods and cul-de-sacs and things like that. So lots of bobbing and weaving, but a fun race, small race, which again, always, always is a fan for me. Very, very flat. Uh, maybe the, maybe the flattest race I've ever run. 
Um, so again, if that's if that's your your jam, uh, on the flip side, not so flat, but also a fun race uh, in Roanoke, Virginia, the Blue Ridge Marathon. Big fan of that race. Not an easy one by any stretch. Lots of, of mountain running and ups and downs and things like that. But great crowd support. And another one where I wish I was there for more than just like the race weekend because the town looked awesome. Like lots of things going on. Downtown was happening. Um, but I was like in and out in. 36 hours or something like that. So I didn't get a chance to really experience much of the Roanoke situation, but I would go back there uh, in the spring. I think it's an April race usually. Uh, And the last one on my list that I'll give a plug for is the Celebration Marathon, which I guess I'm giving a plug for all of these. um, And I don't have any connection to any of them, but but the Blue... uh, Not the Blue Ridge, but uh, the Big Beach. Um, The Celebration is just up the street from us. It's, It's basically across the street from Walt Disney World. Also in January, it's a couple weeks after the Disney Marathon. And so, you know, that one could be a great one as far as if you're looking for a Disney vacation situation, Disney destination, but you're not not necessarily into Disney race situation, the Disney race experience, the Disney race cost. Um, celebration is like a hundred bucks, not cheap, but not not Disney cost, certainly not not too expensive by, you know, race uh, registration fees. And it's like you could easily stay at Disney, like a 10 minute Uber, if that, to get across the celebration, uh, run there, go back and enjoy Disney for the rest of, you know, the rest of the time you're there with your family, things like that. Um, late January. So the weather's usually pretty decent, maybe a little chilly for the the locals down here. But again, if you're coming from somewhere out of town, somewhere farther North, uh, you're not going to complain about Florida in, uh, in January. Um, and Oh, by the way, if you want, if anybody wants to, to join the party this year, um, word, word on the street is my wife is, uh, is trying to pseudo organize something, maybe not organize something, but, uh, has, has suggested, uh, that I, she's going to buy me the, uh, the registration for the celebration half marathon. I'm going to actually try to race the half marathon, which I haven't done in like seven years. Um, but, uh, you know, run a good hard half. You can run the full if you want. But in celebration of my 40th birthday, which is like the week before the celebration marathon and half marathon this year. So um, I don't know that it's going to be a huge, huge deal. But if you need a little extra extra nudge or extra reason to to maybe make a trip to uh, to Central Florida in late January, um, there's going to be a little something, a little, a little get together, maybe at the finish line type of, type of deal, kind of hanging out a little bit. Um, so if you want to do that, you know, come join the, come run the celebration half or full this year um, because in January... It's not a bad, not a bad time to race in Central Florida. So those, those are five for you, Ryan. Hopefully that gets your gears turning. And, and you know, other folks that have run other smaller races, don't be afraid to chime in uh, in the comments or, or things like that. Maybe uh, head back to this post and, and comment on Ryan's question, so he, you can give him some some more recommendations as well. And of course, Ryan, I guess I'd be remiss to say, you know, the Prairie Fire Marathon wasn't bad either, which is where we met a handful of years ago. Um, again, small town. I kind of, I kind of dug it. The weather wasn't great that day, but I'm not going to hold that against the race. Um, but I don't think I had the greatest experience overall just because the weather was miserable that day. Post-race, I didn't really enjoy any of that stuff because uh, it was gross out, as you well remember. But the Prairie Fire Marathon would be another one that uh, I enjoyed. Uh, maybe not necessarily a destination race, but again, you know, like I'd never been to Wichita before. I like to see new places. So for me, that's that's enough of a destination anyway. Uh, another question from Ryan is training at elevation, a must to be able to complete a mountain trail run or does overall fitness matter? Um, yes. Yes. Is the question. No, actually no is the answer. No, it's not a must. Is it ideal? Sure. Does overall fitness matter more? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So, you know, like, like if we all had the opportunity, if, if we knew we were running some type of, of, uh, elevation race, a mountain race, a, a trail run, something like that. If we had one of those coming up that we were looking forward to excited about, like ideally we'd all, you know, like go to Flagstaff or go to Boulder or go to, go to, you know, wherever, um, and like train for six weeks in the mountains, right? Like that would be ideal. Um, is that realistic for most of us? Absolutely not. So getting your miles in, doing the best you can, getting creative with doing some, some elevation training, like not so much elevation training in terms of oxygen, but just in terms of climbing, whether it's, it's overpasses, whether it's parking garages, whether it's uh, flights of stairs, you know, going somewhere where you can just run stairs for, for a half an hour or something like that. Like anything that you can do to kind of sort of simulate the training for, for the elevation, um, do that. But at the end of the day, you know, that like, if you're, if you're decent at climbing, but your fitness sucks, like you're going to be in a, in a tough place. If you haven't done much climbing and it's a little bit scary, but like your fitness is on point because you've been logging your miles and taking care of your body and getting sleep and all those types of things, like that's going to matter more. So do, do the best you can with what you've got. Sure. It would be ideal to go train in the mountains for a mountain race, but you know, not exactly feasible for everybody. Uh, last one from Ryan for shizzle dizzle. Best 90s or 2000s rap album or albums. Been listening to a lot of old school rap from our high school and college days and must say, it's still better than today's stuff. I don't listen to much today's stuff, so I guess I can't form an accurate comparison. But yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a little trip down nostalgia lane with you uh, there, Ryan. And, and uh, Although I, I do have to say that my trip down nostalgia lane is not great because I mostly was like a singles guy. So like I couldn't, I couldn't tell you a lot of really good albums because I would just like cherry pick like the song or two off of each album. And that was, that was good enough. Right. Like, like I didn't, I, I was, a, I was a mixed, not a mixtape. I was a mixed CD, a, a DIY CD guy with all the, you know, just play the hits, just playing the hits in, uh, in the car and in the dorm room and things like that. But as far as, as rap albums from that era that, uh, I would say I, I, I can feel like I, I've listened to enough of the album to say that, yes, these are good or not, or at least ones that I enjoyed. Um, hard to go wrong with uh, Nelly's first album. Country Grammar was pretty legit. Like there was like seven or eight, like number one singles, I think off of that first, that first album. So I guess that one kind of crosses the, the bounds for me in terms of lots of great singles, but like they're all on the same album. So like, you got to call that a good album, right? Um, of course, Chronic, like, I mean, that yeah okay um and then a couple of of m&m ones make the list for me um the the oh, which ones were they i wrote them down in the show notes i can't remember um encore and was it the the m&m show i think that's the other one that i that i really liked um but yeah you know like 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 i said i i would take i don't know i could probably not that i not that not that this is a challenge but i could go on for for a little while about different songs from different artists and, and all kinds of stuff uh, but if I had to go albums from that era, I think those would be, those are the four that really came to mind. Um, it, it, other than that, like I said, song here, song there, but probably not any like album albums, but, uh, enjoy that little trip down nostalgia lane. It's, it's a, it's a fun, fun ride to be on every once in a while. And thank you for the question, sir. Another one from Lesterberg kind of sandwiched his questions around, uh, Ryan's there, uh, mantras. What are good things to think about when it's a long race and you dig yourself into a bad spot? So, uh, great question, John. And, and, um, I feel like we've, we've talked a little bit about mantras before, but it's a, it's a topic worth revisiting on a semi-regular basis because I, I, I don't know that it, there's an easy answer. You know, I, I think that, that mantras are the types of things that first and foremost have to be personal. Um, what works for me, what, what, what gets my mind right 
very well may not be the right thing for you or may not have the same effect for you and vice versa. What works for you may do nothing for me if I'm in a, in a bad spot during a race. So, um, I, I think that making it personal and then recognize that they may evolve over time. You know, what worked for you in, in 2017 may not work for you in 2021, which may not work for you in 2025. So being willing to, to adapt your, your mantras, or at least, you know, have some that are maybe more transient, some that really speak to your core, some that maybe are a mantra just for this one race or just for this one year, uh, but that come and go. So, you know, for me, I mean, the big one is the one that's, that's, you know, I, I got permanently scarred on my, my, my forearm there, the, the whole take, take the next step situation, which just reminds me to keep going. And that's, that's one that, that I kind of go back to. And I've said this before, both for running and for, for business life, just for life in general, like keep moving forward is what that kind of reminds me of or, or what, what that, that hits. So like when I need it, like I just, just look down, take the next step. Yep. Remember that. Keep, keep going. Um, but something that I that I try to do if I if I'm getting my head game trying to get my head game on straight and and coming up with mantras for for race day try to have something funny as well um, and and I think I've given this example before but like um, it always sticks out in my mind because a you know having something funny that makes you smile a little bit like like there's positive situations that come from smiling from laughter positive endorphins that can help you get out of that bad spot um, but, but one that I've kind of gone to a few times, is just the old, like, oh, bitch, please like talking to myself. But like, if I'm getting down on myself, I'm getting like, Oh, I don't know if I can do this. Like, bitch, please. Like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can do this. You've done this before. You'll do it again. Like suck it up, buttercup and let's go. But I, I almost can't like think about that without smiling. Right. I can't, I can't think about man, bitch, please. Like, like I'm going to smile. I'm going to chuckle a little bit. And in those, in those, those rough patches in those, those dark spots, uh, a little chuckle is is worth it. So whatever, whether it's it's some line from some stupid movie or some stupid TV show, um, you know, whatever it might be, having something in your mind that uh, that that you can have a little giggle, have a little chuckle, um, that could be helpful. And then you know, have have a couple few, especially for a long race. That way you don't uh, wear one out and it ceases to be valuable. You know, you can kind of rotate through. You have one that you're saving for the last ten miles or the last hour or whatever. Um, to kind of just help you like keep whether, and again, like I can give you all the, you know, take, take the next step or run the mile you're in, or I can do hard things. Like all those things that we've heard people talk about before, like those, there's nothing wrong with them as long as they connect for you. If they don't connect for you, those, none of those are helping you. So really kind of thinking about personal, having a personal connection to the mantra, I think is most important. Um, so good luck of coming up with some things. And, uh, you know, like I said, don't be afraid to, to change them, adjust them, tweak them over time so that they really do hit home as much as possible. Cause that's, those are the ones that are going to be the most effective. All right. Next we got, uh, we got a block of questions from Mona who, who missed last month. Uh, she posted her questions, I think, uh, after I'd already recorded. Um, so she's back, back with that list and then some more for this month, which is uh, fantastic. So here we go. Semi rapid fire from Mona. Have you updated your goals and plans for the year? What's the update on that? I bet yoga is still not a priority or the merch. You're so focused on that huge goal of yours. So yes, ish. Um, you know, things are always changing. Things are always moving. You know, as far as running goals, obviously, you know, the, the, the mileage goals and the, some of the, the, uh, craw and the virtual race across Tennessee, like logging the miles for that. Um, those are still some big goals. Once those things get, uh, ticked off, which the, uh, the race across Tennessee wraps up at the end of this month. So I'll have that off my, off my plate. I, I would like to get a little bit more yoga, a little more cross training back into the mix. I feel like, I feel like I've been kind of, I don't know, um, 
not setting myself up for failure, but maybe kind of like, you know, skating on some thin ice on, on that front lately. So, you know, I don't want my mileage to go down dramatically because we still have to finish our, our race across the or race around the world. Um, and, and make sure we get that silver buckle and get all the, the medals and things like that. Um, but if I, if I have to pull back a little bit of mileage to make sure I'm doing some of the yoga and maybe a little bit more, more biking, um, I think I'm okay with that. So yeah, I mean, yoga is not like the, a high priority, but it's, it, it's something that I'm not like just giving up on, certainly not giving up on for the rest of the year. Um, merch like, yeah, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's a little bit more of a priority. Um, but it's not like, I can't pretend like it's like number one because it's not. Uh, there's, there's other things as far as taking care of, of the athletes I coach, taking care of the podcast, taking care of, of, you know, writing my emails. Like, like there's other things that are certainly higher priority level. Um, but I do want to get that, that out. I, I do have some, some, um, some plans to make it happen. Just have to, uh, just have to implement them, right. Just have to execute on them. Um, just have to make sure there's enough hours in the day to, to make that happen. But, um, you know, like nothing really has, has dramatically changed. Just sometimes the priority levels go up and down. Uh, but the goals are still more or less for the the year are, are the same, and and quite honestly, in 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 the big picture, in general, like I'm pretty happy with how this year has gone so far. Could it be better? Sure. Are there things that have kind of slipped slipped under the priority list a bit? Of course. Um, but you know, overall, I think that the goals I set in January, like we're still we're still on track on a lot of fronts. Certainly not all of them, but uh, you know, I think that's okay. I think that's okay. So I'll certainly keep you all posted. Um, and when the merch is available, Mona, you'll be one of the first to know. I promise you, I promise you, you'll be one of the first to know. Next question. Are you planning to get Dean Carnassus on the podcast regarding his new book? No. Um, not that I wouldn't like to talk to Dean again. He was on, I don't know what, a year ago, year and a half ago, something like that. Uh, actually really enjoyed talking to Dean, maybe more so than I thought I would. Um, but I'm not going to chase him. So if, if his people reach out and say, Hey, you know, we, we'd love to have him come back on the show to talk about the book. I'll welcome him back. Um, but I'm not going out of my way to, uh, and it's nothing against Dean is nothing against Dean. In fact, of the, the kind of the, the pseudo elites, not the pseudo elites, but the people who make their money, make their living from running. Um, he'd be at the top of the list of people I'd, I'd in, legitimately enjoy talking to again. Um, but I like talking to, to you guys as much or more than I like talking to some of the, the higher profile folks. So I'll let, I'll let Dean make the rounds on some other podcasts. And I, it, like, seems like Kipchoge's making the rounds on some podcasts right now, which I mean, I'd love to talk to him, but like, meh, I'd love to talk to you guys too. So, you know, whatever, if he comes back, cool. If not, no worries, but it's not, uh, there's not some plot or some scheme that I'm on to try to make it happen. It's just, if it happens, it happens. Um, next one, which role do you like more in a podcast? Having a guest being on the other side of the microphone or just rambling, uh, on stuff that you want to ramble on note to self. Apparently I ramble a lot when I talk to myself, which is not wrong. Uh, side note for Mona. I really enjoy when you're speaking your mind all by yourself. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, for me, it's, it's, I like them all. You know, I like talking to, to other people. I like having interviews on the show. Um, sometimes I don't know that I really like doing these solo episodes. I don't dislike them. Um, but, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like, like they're the ones that, that, people tend to really enjoy. And, and it gives me a chance to coach a little bit, right? To try to help a little bit, which I don't always get a chance to, like, I'm not getting on my soapbox when I'm having some, having a guest on the show, right? Like we're, we're shining the light on them. Um, so the, the solo episodes do kind of give me a chance to, to, to do that a little bit, try to get some of my thoughts out there, hopefully help y'all along the way. Um, but by far my favorite is being on somebody else's podcast because a, like 
it gives me a chance to, you know, everybody likes talking about themselves, right? Even though like, I like to think I don't, but like, yeah, you know, like I'm on somebody else's show. I can, you know, tell some of the same stories that I've told here a dozen times, but I'm telling them to, to people who have heard it for maybe for the first time. Uh, but ultimately when we, when we hang up and we finish recording, I don't have any more work to do versus whether I'm doing, whether I'm having a guest on my show or whether I'm recording a solo show, when I hit the stop button, when I stop recording, that's when the work actually starts. Like, I mean, there's work before that and lining up guests or planning on topics or whatever. But once I finish, then all the prep work, all the, the post-production, not that there's a lot, I don't mean to make it sound like I do all kinds of editing and, and things like that, but like just cleaning up little bits and bobs and, and making sure the, the intros line up and the outros line up and scheduling and yada, yada. Like there's a, there's an hour, two hours worth of work after, after the fact, um, sometimes more. And I don't have to do any of that when I'm on somebody else's podcast. So I love being on other people's show, but I, I mean, I clearly, hopefully clearly uh, enjoy kind of all aspects of whether it's my show, somebody else's show. Um, podcasting is fun. I, I, a lot of work, but fun. I enjoy it. So uh, any chance I get it to, to talk to somebody else though, uh, especially on their podcast, like uh, that's, that's, I think what I like more than anything else, just because it's less work for me. Just show up, talk, hang up. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, another one, anything that has come across that is mind blowing, uh, come across your radar recently. It could be a, a good podcast, book, movie, thought experience, et cetera. So, um, I don't know. I, I struggle with the idea of mind blowing because I'm not sure that anything that I've come across recently is really, truly mind blowing. Um, but some things that I've enjoyed recently, and I'm trying to remember cause I don't, I should just pull up the, the, the post that I wrote cause I know I wrote the answers there, but like, um, you know, a few things of late that have, have been of, of interest to me. Um, Sirius XM has been I don't know, certainly not mind blowing, but I've gotten into, uh, I've, I've, I've gotten comfortable with, uh, the idea of paying for satellite radio, which I never thought would have happened. But, uh, when, when we got Rebecca's new car, um, earlier this year, it came with, you know, like the typical standard free trial of, of Sirius XM. Um, and like, not that I drive her car that often, but the times I would, and I, of course they have Dave Matthews radio. So like, you know, you'd be able to listen to Dave Matthews radio or nineties radio or nineties hip hop, you know, Ryan, like, uh, the nineties, nineties, uh, old school hip hop nineties and two thousands rap. So I get some of that, that fix. Um, they also have like a, the lithium channel channel number 34, which is all, uh, um, you know, like nineties alternative and, and grunge. And which is like my, my jams from like, I'm more of a nineties grunge guy than a nineties, anything else kind of guy. Um, so that's, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, I've really gotten to enjoy Sirius XM. Um, you know, other things that have been, been pretty good times of late. Um, the book club, which we do with the patrons, uh, the, the folks that support the show via Patreon, we have a, a, a monthly book club and that's been, that's been something that, um, I really enjoyed like just reading some books that like I wouldn't have normally read or at least wouldn't have been a, a priority. Um, it gives me a chance to read some running books instead of always reading like personal development or business. Like it gives me an excuse. Like I have to read these cause we're going to have a book club discussion at the end of the month. So, so that's been good. Um, and then, uh, you know, pacing, I, I went back and looked at my notes obviously, uh, but pacing, pacing Anna for the, the hundred miler, uh, which I wrote about in an email recently, but one of my athletes ran her, her first race was a hundred mile uh, trail run through the mountains of Georgia, like her first race ever. Um, and she's gonna be on the podcast eventually we're, we're lining this up so we can share that story more. Um, but that was just, that was kind of mind blowing. And, and the idea of, of, of just like those races are, are something 
hundred mile races. Like it's my first time ever being at one, um, being part of it, helping her, uh, pacing a little bit, uh, encouraging a little bit. Um, just kind of opened my mind of like, like I really truly believe after being there that I could do it. I could run a hundred. I have no desire to, so don't, don't get all your cart in front of your horse here. I have zero desire, um, as of right now, but if the desire ever comes like seeing it being there, like that was kind of mind blowing of like, I could, I think I could do this. I don't want to, but I'm pretty sure I could. Um, so that was a little bit mind blowing. So there, there's a few things I guess of late that have kind of come across my radar that are at least mind opening, if not mind blowing. Uh, but that was a good, good question. Mo, and I appreciate that one. Um, couple more, cause those are all like all the ones from last month. So now a couple new questions. Uh, what's, what is the difference between intervals and strides? So, uh, this is one that we've talked about before as well. And again, there's so much confusion around strides that I think it's probably good to, to maybe go back to it. Uh, but I think the reason there's so much confusion about strides is that there's, there's every, every person, every coach, every runner feel like there's different definitions of what strides are, or how to best do strides. Basically strides are a type of interval. Um, but they're, they're usually shorter in duration and sometimes shorter in intensity than a lot of other interval type of workouts. So like an interval workout is just any type of like usually hard fast, right? So it's like, it might be like a, a quarter mile uh, hard effort with a quarter mile of a recovery effort to catch your breath and then go again. X number of intervals, how many you would do. Um, you know, it could be, it could be longer, it could be mile intervals or mile repeats. It could be a half mile. It could be three minutes, five minutes. Like you can, you can do intervals in any number of ways, but it's just kind of like a, a usually a, a, a ping pong in between something hard, and something a little bit easier to catch your breath, recover, lower your heart rate before you go hard again. Strides are kind of like that, um, but usually they're they're very short duration, like 20, 30 yards. Um, so you know, it might take 20 seconds, might take 30 seconds at the most usually. Um, you're not going all out, but you're going like faster than 5K effort. So it's like it, you're running hard, but you're not full sprinting. You're, and you do it for, for a very short interval. And then sometimes, like when I do strides and when I prescribe strides to my athletes, I usually just say mix them in as part of your workout. So mix them in as part of your easy run and easy run. So, you know, it might be out for a five mile easy run. You do a mile or mile and a half to kind of warm up, kind of just make sure you're loose. Mix in three 20 second strides over the course of the next three miles. And then you do a mile cool down. Good to go. Um, some people only do them or some coaches prescribe them at the end of a workout. So you, you do your five miles easy and then you do four strides at the end, you know, after you finish your, your, your easy run. Um, but, but the difference I guess is that the, the amount of stress that usually physical stress that strides build up is usually very minimal because you're only doing a handful. They're pretty short duration. They're not maximum intensity versus the intervals. You're either doing a lot, they're longer duration the intensity is higher. So it's a lot more physical stress. So, you know, that's, that's the main difference. They're both helping to, to lock in good stride patterns, um, muscle recruitment, things like that. It's just how much wear and tear do they, do they tend to give off? Strides tend to be less because there's just shorter duration, shorter, you know, lesser intensity. Um, so I don't know if that makes any sense still. I, I, I like I said, I know I've answered this question before. I'm sure I'll answer it again because it's, it's confusing. It's confusing, but kind of like, you know, all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. I feel like all strides are intervals, but not all intervals are strides. And if you haven't heard that squares or rectangles thing before, I may have just blown your mind. But if you think about it, you know, it's right. All squares really are rectangles by the, by definition, but not all rectangles are squares. So there you go. Last question from Mona. Um, I always feel like you have been asked every question before. Is there a question that you think you might not have been answered? You might not have been asked before that you'd like to answer. 
Not really. Nothing comes to mind. Although, I, again, I'm sure if I th- stopped and th- thought about it for a bit, maybe there'd be something. But uh, I'll wait for y'all to answer. I'll wait for you to ask it, Moni. You'll, I know you'll come up with some more questions next month. Some of them will probably be things that I've never a- never really been asked before. Um, so do your best or your worst. But uh, thanks for all the questions, Moni. Appreciate you. And uh, hope you have a, a great rest of uh, this month. And we'll, we'll get some more questions from you next month for sure. Uh, next question from Karen. Do you think doing one mile trial run during marathon training is beneficial? If so, how many times would you do it? Um, I am not sure I completely understand your question, Karen. I'm going to, I'm going to make the bold assumption that you missed a word there. And it was, it should be, do you think doing one mile time trial during marathon training is beneficial? Um, if so, how many times would you do it? And if that's not what you meant, then please let me know. Um, so that I can maybe try to better answer your question in the way that you meant it, because I'm going to go with it this way. Um, I think it can be beneficial to do a time trial during marathon training, do multiple time trials during marathon training. Um, I don't think it's like mandatory. I don't think it's like, like going to be a game changer for you. Uh, because you know, if you're doing a, a, a one mile time trial in theory, you're selling out for a mile, right? you like, you've got this, this route that you run regularly, uh, or at least not regularly, but every time you do a time trial. So it's the same route. You get your warm up in, you sell out for a mile, and then you're gauging your progress in terms of how well, you know, do you improve? Does your, does your mile time trial get faster over time? And during the course of a marathon training cycle, um, I mean, I think you could see some benefits. I wouldn't do them very often. I mean, I wouldn't do them very often in general, as far as like every week or like, that's too much, but like, you know, every, every month or two, maybe like that might be enough time to, to see some progress. So maybe, maybe I would do, you know, during a marathon training cycle, maybe it makes sense to do kind of one at the beginning, one in the middle, and then maybe one, like a week and a half or two weeks before the, the race to just kind of see how some of that top end fitness is, is playing out. But the reason I wouldn't put too much weight into it or why it wouldn't be necessarily mandatory is that it's not like you're going to run your marathon at your mile time trial pace, right? Like you're not going to, you're not going to sell out for one, like, like you would in one mile for 26.2. Um, and so, so no doubt that it's beneficial in terms of just overall fitness, you know, like same, like the reason that, that, that speed work is helpful, right? No matter what type of distance you're training as far as bone strength, muscle strength, uh, form improvements, muscle recruitment, all those types of things, you're going to get that by doing the, the time trial and doing some of the speed work and stuff that's associated with it. Um, so it's not that it's not beneficial. I certainly don't think it's it's necessary. Um, I haven't prescribed a mild time trial for myself or an athlete that I coach in a long time. Um, not that I think they're bad. I just think there's other other measurement tactics. For myself, it's the math time. It's the math type of situation. For some, it's, it's more of a 5K or it's certain workouts. Um, or just, you know, when there's a race, like using that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, do, again, in isolation, do I think doing a mile time trial during marathon training is beneficial? Sure. Cause it's a good workout. Good workouts are good workouts, no matter how, what you want to label them as. Um, but I wouldn't overdo it. You know, like I said, every six, eight weeks, maybe. So again, one early, one middle, one towards the end. It'd be a good mix. It'd be a good mix. Um, and again, hopefully that was your question, Karen. If not, let me know and we'll uh, try again. Next question from Jennifer. Does one train to race short or long only in terms of distance races or both? Um, for me, Jennifer, this is one of those where it's, it's, it's totally up to you. Um, but there's a lot of overlap in terms of training for short races and long races in terms of, you know, some of the things that we've kind of talked about before, just like running fitness is running fitness. And you know, if you're getting, if you're getting enough miles in, 
uh, being consistent with your training, taking care of your body, doing the little things, those types of, those types of, of activities. Um, it doesn't really matter whether you're training for shorter races and, and again, short and long are all relative. You know, for some people, the marathon is a short race, uh, those crazy hundred milers and beyond people, uh, for some of us, you know, half marathon is a long race. doesn't matter. Um, but, but I feel like you can, you can definitely train for both. If you want to run both, you know, not, not that you have to, whatever your long is, whatever your short is. Um, I think that they can absolutely work well together. I've, I've heard plenty of stories of folks that have, you know, trained for a marathon or a longer type of race. And then they, they purposely plan to run a couple of five K's in the weeks, you know, the couple of weeks after the marathon to use all that fitness that they built up in marathon training to just go out and hammer the 5k. And maybe they lost a step on their top speed, but their overall endurance is, is rock solid and like PRing in the 5k after a marathon. Um, you know, so, so I think that they, they can work together. And, and of course, racing long can help you race short, but racing short and focusing on your speed can help you with some of the longer stuff too. Um, obviously, you know, like it's maybe not, obviously it's hard to train perfectly for like the 5k specificity at the same time that you're trying to train for a marathon specificity, right? Like those, those races are pretty different. And so some of the, the, the workouts that you might do, or some of the strategies, some of the ways that you you'd put the training together, like they don't necessarily align simultaneously, but could you, could you train for them both and see progress in both simultaneously? Sure. Sure. I would say you'd probably gear your training more towards the longer race and trust that the benefits are going to pay off in the shorter race and try to train for the shorter race and hope that you have the endurance for the longer. That's, that would be dicey. Um, but you can absolutely train for both. You absolutely train for both. If you want to run both totally up to you, but that's to me, that's where running is, is, you know, you could like whatever you want to do, whatever works for you. Uh, we can make, find a way to make it work and certainly training for different, different duration, different length races at the same time. Not, not that difficult, not overly complicated at all. So, uh, saddle up, whatever you want to run. Let's, let's make it happen. Next question. Next two questions from Thessaly favorite jerky, jerky sticks, slim Jim's good old fashioned jerky steak chunks, any flavor preferences. So I am, I am, um, I enjoy some good jerky. I enjoy some good jerky. Um, and if I had to say like my favorite, it would be, you know, it is probably something pretty, pretty basic. I don't like real spicy, uh, foods of any, any, any type really. Um, so something like a, a mesquite or, um, you know, something, something like peppery, something like that, beef jerky, something, you know, just kind of your standard basic, nothing too fancy. Like I'm down with that. Um, would I, would I, I'm not going to turn down a decent jerky that's not too spicy, but like, I don't really like the sweeter stuff. Um, not that I dislike it, but like, that's not what I'm going to go for. Um, I'm not a big fan of like chicken jerky or poultry jerky of any type, turkey jerky, ostrich jerky. I've had had them all. Like they're not bad, but they're just like not my favorite. Um, A little more exotic stuff, you know, like bison, elk, venison. That stuff's good. That stuff's good. Just it's harder to find, right? So, so like my my boring answer is like yeah, just like like and and not like slim jim. Like that's not jerky. Like that's that's let's not kid ourselves. Like like I want real jerky, uh, like strips of meat, dehydrated, seasoned, you know, something salty, peppery, uh, maybe a little barbecue, not too sweet. Um, that's my go-to, but as long as it's not super spicy, I'll pretty much take whatever I can get. Um, so yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy a little bit of jerky now and again. Uh, another fun question, who would be your quote unquote dream person to go on a run with? Um, this is a tough question for me because I don't really, I like I'll run with just about anybody. 
but there's nobody like, oh my God, I hope that, that so-and-so would ever, you know, I, I would ever have the chance to run with them. Like, I'd love to run with lots of people. I'm not like my heart's not set on anything. Um, but then, I, then I get sentimental and I think this would be my answer. And like, and it's not dream necessarily, but like, I guess my, my, my person I would love to run like a race with at some point would be Addison, right? Like, like have her be, you know, old enough, whether it's it maybe, maybe even grown, you know, maybe once she's out of, out of high school, out of college, you know, kind of settling in with life. And if, if she, you know, you know, 20 years from now is like, Hey dad, would you run a half marathon with me? Like that would be pretty awesome. Um, outside of that, like take it or leave it with, with literally anybody else. Like, like, you know, whether it's Olympians, whether it's famous people, whether it's, it's folks in the folks in the group. I mean, I'd love to run with all of you, right? Like, I know we're going to get a chance to run with a handful of you at, at Ragnar this year, which would be awesome. Um, but like no offense to Thessaly or anyone, uh, but none of y'all are like my dream person. Like I would love to run with you, but like, like my heart's not going to break, you know, like it's not, I'm not gonna be devastated if we never got a chance to, to run in person. Hopefully we will at some point, hopefully like, like those opportunities will present themselves. Um, but like, I think it'd be cool to run with Addison. Like, I think that would be, that'd be pretty neat. Um, and so, so then I get to that, that dad point where it's like, I don't want to force it. I don't want to like, I want her to either come to it or not on her own volition. Um, and right now she's seven. So we got plenty of time to see if she will or won't. Um, but, uh, I guess that would be my dream person to go on a run with. And, and the reason Rebecca's not on the list, I've already run with Rebecca. I'll continue to run with Rebecca. I enjoy running with Rebecca. Um, but I don't like, would it, would it be my dream person to go and run with them? If I've already run with them? Like, I don't think that is the spirit of the question. So there's my disclaimer to, to not to still listen to this, but you know, y'all don't need to, to go rambling to her. Like, Oh yeah, yeah. He would rather run with his daughter than run with you. Like, no, 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 no. I run with her. I run with Rebecca on occasion. I always enjoy it. Um, haven't really, I mean, I've run a little bit with Addison, but not enough to really count. So that's, that's, those are my disclaimers, right? Keep keep the household happy. That's always first and foremost. Next question from Georgia. Chris asks, what do you mean? It's time for questions. Where did August go? Man, time flies when you're having fun, my friend. Um, but yeah, August is, August is about, about done and dusted on to September. But I know, I know for us in the South, um, all these summer months just like all kind of run together because it's still just hot and we're still not like you might start seeing the pumpkin spice stuff start popping up in places, which is bananas. And, and that's a whole nother rant for a whole nother day. Um, but it still feels like it's freaking July, even though it's the end of August and it's still going to feel like that for another month or two. So yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know that I realized that August was wrapping up until I looked at the calendar. So snap, we got to do this. So yeah, I get you. Time flies, time flies, but I hope things are well, Chris. Uh, next question from Lewis. What if Nike made carbon plated shoes for junior speedsters? How would it impact their performances? Well, I mean, I guess, you know, performance enhancers are performance enhancers, right? So it'd make them faster. Um, I don't know. I mean, who like, who cares? Like if like shoot them up with, shoot them up with some, some growth hormone while we're at it, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, like, I, I guess though, I guess the technical answer would be like, it would depend because you have to be able to, to exert enough force to get any real benefit from the carbon plated shoes at least as, as I understand the physics of it. So like if the kids aren't heavy enough, aren't strong enough, aren't able to generate enough force through their foot with each stride, then it would just be a really expensive shoe that had no benefit. Um, but as, as they get older, as they're able to, to you know, just have enough body weight, have enough force production, um, of course it would make them fat. I mean, yeah, of course it's, it's, it's a performance enhancer just like the, the HGH, just like the, the steroids, just like the, the whatever. Um, apparently this ones are ones that we're not afraid of. So it's okay. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what it would do. They'd run faster, you know? All right. Like that's, that's just how that would work out. Um, hopefully they don't ever go down that route, but I'm sure they will because, you know, then, then they'll have a better chance of getting a scholarship or whatever, which is bananas. But, um, I've, I've, I've been on my soapbox about carbon plated shoes before. I'm sure I'll get it on there again. Uh, we don't need to introduce that to AAU track or middle school track or whatever. Like just let the kids freaking run and stop with, with carbon plated shoes. My goodness. But uh, thank you for the question, Lewis. I appreciate it. Uh, hope you're, hope things are well for you. Uh, next question from Alan. If you're going to be running a local race for the first time, should you scope out the route and do some training on it? Or does that really matter as long as you're well-trained? So, Alan, I, I think that, um, I think it's, first of all, I think it's a great question. And I think it's one that, that, it's kind of one of those where your mileage may vary. I think that some folks, um, I, th- I think that there's nothing wrong with training on on some of the route. I don't know that you necessarily need to run it start to finish necessarily, or at least not all in one in one shot, especially if it's like you're training for a marathon, it's all spread out. Like it's, it's you know, a, a, you know one big loop or one big point to point. Maybe you run half of it one time and half but another time or whatever. Um, but I do think there's, that there can be a benefit of familiarity of kind of knowing where you are, knowing how much farther you go, have to go because you've done there, but you've been there and done that before. You, you know, that from this, from this landmark to that landmark, or, you know, you kind of just have some of that mental picture already in place makes it easier. I think to kind of be prepared. Um, I know that sometimes when I'm running and like, I might know I only have three miles left in the race, but it feels like a lot longer because I don't know, kind of what the, what the terrain is going to look like in front of me. Is it going to be, is it, is it mostly a, a straight shot? Is it a, a bunch of winding S turns? Is, are there some Hills? Like, like, I don't know. And that kind of stuff can, can get into my head a little bit versus if you've run the race, run the route before, and you know that from mile 24 to mile 26 or mile 10 to mile 13 or whatever, you know, what's coming, um, that can help set your mind a little bit at ease, which can certainly help performance. That said, is it, is it mandatory? Absolutely not. I mean, that's, you know, anybody who travels to a race knows that like, there's a lot of times you might not see the, the route until race day. And as long as your fitness is good, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be okay. So I think that, that if, you know, that's one of those home field advantage things. I think that there's benefit to it. I think that running for me, I wouldn't worry as much about the beginning of the course. If you can run it, great, do it. But I would focus a little bit more attention on running like the last half to quarter of the, of the route semi-regularly, because that's the time for me personally, that's the time where some of those mental, mental games of like, Oh God, like there's five miles left, but like, Holy crap. Like how, how long is this mile going to be like being familiar with that section of the course is helpful to, for me to quiet my mind a little bit help me to know I can keep pushing. I can do it. There's no Hills or there's just this one Hill. If I can grind up that, I got a nice downhill, like, like just knowing the last bit of the race a little bit more intimately is helpful for me. So if the opportunity presents to get some miles on, uh, on the route as race day approaches, it's not going to hurt anything. Certainly could help anything. Certainly could help things help race day, help you feel more confident of the course of the route of your ability. Um, and I would focus a little bit more if, if you're going to run the route to run in the, the last part of the route, maybe just a little bit more. All right. Uh, but hope all that makes sense. Hope that, uh, is, is helpful and good luck training for, uh, for your race and, and knowing, knowing how things are going. Keep up the great work, my friend. Uh, next question from Rob, uh, for training runs that enter 20 plus miles, is it more beneficial to do multiple days of lower mileage as opposed to one long run when time on feet may exceed four hours for training run, uh, due to running slower. Thanks to being, or thanks to the heart rate training. Um, great question, Robin. And one where, um, 
I don't know that there's a right way or a wrong way. And, and honestly, I think that maybe both ways, I think that there's, there's a benefit to looking at it as a both and instead of an either or meaning, I think that, that in a lot of cases in the, the, I, I don't know, maybe not ideal, but my preference as a coach and my preference as a runner would be to mix in some days of, of running 20, 21, 22, 23 miles, um, maybe even 26, if you're training for an ultra or something like that, maybe even more than that sometimes into a, a single day, super high volume, um, lots of time on your feet. I think there's benefit to that because, you know, just knowing how your body's going to feel after four hours, five hours, six hours of running can be helpful if you're doing a really long race. Um, fueling, you know, it's easy to say, Oh, do X, Y, Z for fueling. And that might work for you for three hours. But what is that going to do to you? Like, is your stomach going to be as, um, as open to the same fueling strategy at, at mile 30 as it was at mile 15 or at hour six, as it was at hour three, the only way to really test those things, or at least to get an idea is to be on your feet that long. That said life makes it hard to say every weekend, like, Oh yeah, I'm going to run for six hours this weekend. Like that's, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, especially if you've got kids, if you've got family, you've got other obligations, like that's, that's asking a lot. Um, also the recovery after those types of, of long training runs, even at a moderate, you know, a low heart rate level, slowing down, keeping things in check. Um, there is still a bit of recovery that has to happen due to just that much time on your feet. So, you know, if you maybe mix in, in and in in this is maybe in an ideal world, so it may not fit perfectly like this, but if you mix in one of those really long, long runs every, you know, month or, or month and a half, depending on, on where you're at in the training cycle and how long you have until your race, I mix in a couple few of those over the last month or two of, of your training. Uh, but then the, the other weekends you're doing maybe back to backs of 15 and 15 or 20 and 15, or, or again, it's, it's going to scale up and down depending on what type of race you're doing. But instead of always going over 20, you're getting, you're getting 25 or 30 miles over two days. Um, that can work real well too, because you're still getting good volume in, but it's not as much stress on any one day. You're spreading that stress out, which makes the recovery easier, makes it logistically easier. Planning wise is easier, which I guess is still logistics as well. Um, but I think that that those tend to work better for most people. Um, so those are more realistic than to say, yeah, for the next month, I'm going to run 20 and then 22 and then 24 and then 26 and then 20. And then, you know, like, like that's a lot, that's a lot. So ultimately whatever works for you, um, schedule wise, life wise is the best route. But if you can have a blend, I think that's from a training perspective, maybe, maybe the ideal situation, but uh, good luck with your training and, and yeah, keep up the heart rate work, Rob. It, it works. You just got to keep sticking with it. And with, with the longer runs, you're right. Like it's, it's tough, but it, it pays off, it pays off. I promise you. Uh, next question also from Rob, are you going to have your athlete that completed the hundo without doing any other races featured on an upcoming episode or did I miss it? I'd love to hear the journey and lessons learned. Um, yeah, yeah, Rob, we are, we are, as I'm recording this, we're trying to figure out a time. Um, as you're listening to this, there's a, better than 50, 50 chance that the recording will have already happened. So, uh, stay tuned. Hopefully in the next month or so, uh, you'll get to hear from Anna and, uh, we'll dive into her story. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it was, it was in, in, insane. Uh, the fact that, uh, in, in less than a year of running, maybe I'm spoiling things here. Well, like I said, we'll get into the details with her hopefully soon. Um, but less than a year after she started running for the first time, she ran her first race, which was a freaking hundred miler. 
bananas, bananas. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we're going to make it, ha- we're going to do our best to make it happen. So stay tuned. Uh, hopefully in the next couple few weeks is when that'll happen. Uh, or is when you'll, you'll hear it. Hopefully it already happened. Hopefully it's already recorded and, uh, you'll get to hear it soon. Uh, next question from, let's see, I just hit something and scrolled. There we go. Uh, from Karen, any advice for someone sick of marathon training? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the first bit of advice, Karen, is, is to stop training for marathons. Um, now that might be very superficial and very duh and very not practical because maybe you've got a race that you're planning for in, you know, a month or two from now. And so like, you know, you kind of have to keep training for it because you're going to run the race. Um, but if, if you're, if you're, if you find yourself and and back to my original answer, stop training for marathons, it's not uncommon for somebody to have been training for marathons and and running marathons, you know, for a couple few years, kind of just get sick of it, burnt out of the idea of always having to have these long runs semi-regularly on the calendar and and maintaining that type of fitness and the recovery and yada, yada, yada. Like nothing says you can't take a year break from a marathon, from marathon training. Maybe run some half marathons, maybe run some five Ks, maybe focus on triathlon or, or cycling or CrossFit or, you know, still doing something to stay active, still doing something to stay fit and healthy and and working out and and improving your fitness overall. But maybe just taking that little break from marathon training for an extended period of time. Like again, legit purposely saying, I'm going to finish this marathon that I'm training for right now. I'm not going to run another marathon until, you know, whatever next year till 2022 till, uh, till the fall of 2022. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. Maybe you run some other races. That's fine, but no marathons. And just giving yourself a break from marathon training. Like that's, that's not a bad option. If you're, if you're struggling right now for a race that's coming up and you can't just, you know, walk away from marathon training for the next year, year and a half. Um, you know, I think one suggestion it's, it's, it very well could be that you just, you just need a cutback week, something serious. Um, you know, if you've been on that steady climb of, you know, 12 miles and then 14 and 16 and 18, um, and you've got time between now and your race day to have a week where you're, you're, long run is quote unquote, just 12 miles or 10 miles or eight miles where your, your volume for the week would normally be, you know, I'm making up numbers, scale it up or down a course, but maybe you normally run 20 miles per week. And then you do your long run on top of that. So you're running 30, 35 miles, whatever. Maybe that those 20 miles that you'd run Monday through Friday, maybe cut that in half. Maybe take an extra couple days off, cut your mileage down. Just give yourself a big break, almost like a taper as part of your training. Right. I mean, the cutback week is basically a taper week. Um, maybe that would help just giving yourself a little bit of break, a mental break, a physical break. And then you, you come back for the last month, build up to, uh, to the, the marathon with a little bit of a, just a, a reset a little, you know, clean, clean, uh, a, a, a palate refresh, if you will, mental and physical. Uh, so that could help. Um, but otherwise, you know, I mean, you know, finding ways to motivate yourself, maybe get in with a group, do some, do some group runs. Uh, if you're typically running solo, maybe vice versa, run, run some solo runs. If you're typically running with a group. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're just kind of sick of marathon training right now, um, I mean, maybe the, you know, my, my take as a coach is that running, we need to make sure it's fun, right? We need to be enjoying our miles, enjoying the work we're putting in, enjoying the time on our feet. And so if it's not being fun anymore, if you're sick of marathon training, it doesn't sound like it's fun to me. Um, taking a break sometimes is the best thing you can do. Now, again, if you got a race coming up in six weeks, like maybe not walk away completely, but maybe, maybe a good cutback. Maybe it's a good two week cutback, you know, like a, a full on taper six weeks out from your race. And then, you know, three, two more weeks of good work, uh, put the finishing touch on it, two more good long runs, and then you taper again. Like it's not going to hurt your fitness. And if it helps you just feel refreshed with your running, then it's well worth it. 
well worth it. So I don't know if any of that would help Karen, but hopefully somewhere in there, um, that makes a little bit of sense and would be something that, that could really kind of help you reset, refocus and not be sick of your, your training, but actually look forward to it again, which is, uh, what we're going for, for sure. So hope all that helps. So hope something in there helps and, uh, good luck and enjoy. If you got a race coming up, have a great race. Okay. I hope it goes well for you. Uh, next question from Barb, any suggestions for keeping the hips from getting tight and locking up chiropractic work helps, but I think preventative maintenance would be more beneficial. So, I, I mean, I think you're on, on point Barb. And I, I don't know that it's, it's, I feel like this is one of those questions that, that maybe, and may, uh, probably read into this, but maybe one of those questions where you're kind of looking for some silver bullet when there is no silver bullet. It's just the obvious things, right? Like chiropractic work helps getting, getting things back realigned is great. But if you're not doing the stretching, doing the foam rolling, doing some of those, those mobility exercises, maybe, maybe working on some, some strength training exercises to balance out, you know, maybe your, your glutes are weak, but your hip flexors are tight. So if you can strengthen your glutes, that'll help to lengthen your hip flexors. Uh, those types of things like it's, it's, it's preventative maintenance. I mean, that's, that's, you're right. I think it would be more beneficial, certainly longer lasting beneficial than, than just getting the adjustments at the chiropractor. Um, but it's not complicated. It's not it, the, the hard part is in doing it consistently as I know all too well, when it comes to foam rolling yoga, things like that, that I've been really slacking on lately. Um, and not for nothing, my hips, yeah, they feel like they're getting a little bit tighter too. So maybe you and I both Barb need to work on just getting on the roller, doing some stretching, maybe a little bit of yoga, uh, maybe a little bit of strength work, uh, maybe all of the above the occasional chiropractic work, things like that to kind of help things keep moving in the right direction. But, but yeah, it's not complicated. It's just doing it. That's hard. Uh, but preventive maintenance is, is, a thing for a reason. Uh, and I believe very, very beneficial, maybe the most beneficial thing we can do. So getting on the little things, uh, maybe you just need that little nudge. Hopefully you just need that little nudge Barb, uh, to make it happen. And I need that little nudge myself a lot of times as well. So good luck. Good luck. Uh, next question from Sherry, what method do you use to determine your race pace for a marathon or a 50 K when you've been doing most of your training with heart rate and have thus been running at an easy pace all the time? Um, I mean, I don't really have a method, Sherry. I just like run. Uh, and I know that that may sound a little bit dismissive or a little bit, uh, like I'm oversimplifying it, but really that's what I do. Um, now I might, there, there might be a little bit more to it in that, you know, if I, if I'm feeling pretty good, feeling confident, the race is going to go well, you know, I might look at, all right, well, you know, my, my PR is, you know, for the marathon, we'll use the marathon example. My PR for the marathon is like 358, I think. I'd have to, I'd, first I'd have to double check what my PR is. Um, it's either 356 or 358. I think it's 358, but whatever it is, look that up and be like, all right, so, you know, what do I, what do I think? I think I could maybe run maybe, maybe, maybe 350, maybe 345, something like that. Um, so then I might look at kind of what the pace average pace would need to be to run in that range. Um, so something like 845, 830, something like that. Um, but I wouldn't like stress about it and I wouldn't necessarily say that that's exactly what I'm going to run. I just kind of have it in the back of my head that like, Oh, if I'm, if I'm running about that pace, that's about what I'll be at. Um, but ultimately like I'm going to ultimately when I run a race these days, I turn off pacing information. I don't look, I don't have any of that on my, on my watch. Now it's collecting the data. I'll look at it afterwards, but I'm just going to worry about running how I feel and trying to not go out too hot. Right? Like I'm not going to just run lackadaisically at the start of the race, but I'm not, I'm going to be very conscious of like, you know, maybe a nine minute pace at the beginning would be good. Don't get too caught up in the excitement and then just trust my body. Listen to how I'm feeling, settle in. 
Um, and if all is going well, somewhere in, you know, 16, 17, 18 miles, it'll start to get a little bit harder. But hey, if I'm feeling good, dig deeper, keep grinding, maybe get a little bit faster. I don't know. We'll see. Basically, I just let the pace kind of take care of itself. It all comes out in the wash. We'll see how it goes. And uh, I know that that can sound scary. Like, what do you mean you don't have a pace? Like, no. Um, and that works. It works well for me. Um, have I blown up as a result of it? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, but I've also got multiple PRs by not worrying about pace and just going out and running, listening to my body, uh, pushing, you know, there was uh, Chuck Van Doozy was on the show. Um, gosh, it's been a few years now. Um, he's an older guy, uh, awesome source of wisdom. He might be touching, touching 80, 85, something like that. Um, but he was, you know, ranting and raving about, uh, you know, technology and, and, you know, like back in my day and, and kind of being that grumpy old man. But it was all, like one of the, the takeaways that I had from that episode was that on race day, you run as hard as you can given the distance, right? So knowing that you have a marathon or a 50K, like, you know, you're not going to be off with a sprint from the start, but like you want to be pushing pretty good and, and just trusting your body as opposed to trusting your watch and like this predetermined, this is the pace I'm going to try to run. Like you can actually run faster sometimes on, on race day because you're not limiting yourself to, I, well, I, I, I don't want to run faster than an 8.45 pace. Well, what if your body's saying, hey, we're good. Let's go. Run 8.30. Run 8.35. You know, if you're holding yourself back, you're, you're throttling yourself on the governor, um, you might have been able to run better, quote unquote better. You might have been able to run, have a faster time on race day had you not worried about your pace. So I, I kind of took that to heart and have really kind of embraced it. And so when I when I set out on, a, on race day, all I'm looking at is my mileage, my total miles, and total time. So I, I hit the, the button when I get across the start line, it tells me how many miles I've run, tells me how long I've been running. And for the first couple of miles, I pretty clearly I can figure out the math, right? And when I get to mile 20, I could still figure out the math, but I'm not probably going to do the mental gymnastics required at that point to figure out, was that last mile an 850 or an 857 or a 902? Like, I don't care. Like we're still going, we're still moving. All right. What's the body telling me? What's, what's, what, what do I feel like? Can I dig a little deeper? Do I need to back off a little bit? Um, and so, so yeah, I guess long, long winded way of saying, I don't worry about determining a, a race pace. I just run and that seems to work. So maybe the longer you get into heart rate training, the easier that is to, to, to digest and wrap your head around. Um, but I know I've had some success and I have some other folks have had some real good success of just not looking at their watch, maybe putting tape over top of it so they can't even see it at all and just running. And daggum, messed around and got a, got a PR that way. Lots of PRs that way. Big PRs that way. So something to think about. Maybe you're not ready that to do that yet, Sherry, but something maybe in the future that you might try. You might just surprise yourself at how well it works. Uh, next question from Nancy. What are some motivational techniques to get going after you have stopped a regular regime of running? Um, you know, again, I mean, I, I feel like this is one of those where what works for me may not work for you. You got you to figure out what's going to motivate you the most. Um, and for that, to me, that comes down to just like, do you want to run? Like if you're in a, a, a phase where you're doing some other things, where you're doing some, some spinning or some cycling, I guess some spinning and cycling would kind of be the same thing. Maybe you're outdoor cycling versus indoor spinning. Uh, maybe you're doing strength training, yoga, like what, if those things are things that you really enjoy doing and you're just like, God, I feel like I should run, but I, I don't really want to, then don't run. Like, like if you're in that position, there's no about a motivational technique. I don't think that's going to help you because you're not motivated to do it. If on the other hand, like you're ready to get going, but you just need that little extra nudge. 
Well, then that may be where something could help you. But if, if, hopefully the motivation is going to mostly come from the inside. But if you need a little extra boost, what are some things that could work for you? Again, it's gonna, your mileage may vary. Depends on what works best for you, your personality, things like that. But would having a race on the schedule help? Then put a race on the schedule. And it could maybe be a long way out, but just having something could be useful. Um, recruiting a friend. You know, it's a lot easier to sleep in or to not to just blow off your run when you're not letting anybody down. But if you know that, you know, somebody is, is waiting for you, somebody's planning on, on you meeting them and, and running a few miles together or doing a long run together, uh, it's it's sure a lot harder to, 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 at least for me, it's a lot harder to skip that run, blow off that run, sleep in a little bit when I know that, that Kate's waiting on, you know, Kate's waiting on me, right? So like, like Saturdays, I have no problem getting my butt out of bed because Kate's waiting on me versus the rest of the week. Yeah. Maybe sometimes a little more difficult to get up uh, and get moving and get out the door when it's just the dog. I can, I can, I can disappoint the dog. Dog's never going to be disappointed. So, you know, that's easy to do, right? Um, race friend, um, you know, just kind of, of those types of things can be great. Um, you know, I mean, but again, ultimately, like if you want to get after it, get back into a good routine, maybe just scheduling, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's part of the the struggle of getting back into a, a into a good routine is just like, well, where am I going to find time? We'll just schedule it. You know, if you're a real schedule oriented, orientated person, oriented person, put it on your schedule, make it happen. Like, um, all, and again, maybe none of those would work for you. It all depends on, on what works best for you. Um, sometimes I say taking a little break, but if you've had a little break, you're ready to get back at it, then you don't need to take more of a break. Um, but, but then maybe another thing to, to maybe not so much a motivational technique, but a thing to watch out for is to not worry too much about your, your data right off the bat. Like you might be running fewer miles. You're probably gonna be running fewer miles than you were before. You might very well be a little bit slower per mile. Your pace might be a little bit slower than it was before. Cause you haven't been, been building and maintaining that running fitness, which is fine which is to be expected quite honestly, when you get back into running. So don't hyper analyze your data and be like, well, shit, like how come I'm, how come I'm eight seconds per mile or 12 seconds per mile or 40 seconds per mile slower? It's because you haven't run it much in six months, but you've been doing all these other things. So your fitness is good. You just need to remind your body of how to run and it'll come back relatively quickly. Um, but you know, that's maybe a demotivational thing to avoid is comparing the data too much as you're getting back into it, because it's probably not going to be what you remember and that's okay. It'll come back. Um, so I don't know, hopefully somewhere in there, something to help you, Nancy, but, uh, if you're ready to get back at it, get back at it. Good luck getting back at it. Uh, hope it goes smoothly for you. Next question from Kenton. Uh, how well can you maintain fitness by biking at math heart rate versus, uh, running at math heart rate? So as your question is written very well, Kenton, because if you're maintaining your maintaining and even building aerobic fitness, it doesn't matter what activity you're doing. I'm assuming, however, that your question really means maintaining running fitness by biking at math heart rate versus actually running at math heart rate. And yeah, you're going to see a dip. You're going to see a dip because you're working your muscles a little bit differently. The demands are a little bit differently. Uh, the physical demands of, of running are obviously different than cycling. So yeah, you're going to, you're going to lose a bit of running fitness. I'm not going to try to tell you otherwise. You're going to maintain and build your aerobic fitness though, by continuing to be active, continue to work in that aerobic zone. So when you get back to running, it's not going to take you that long to make up for the ground that you lost. All right. Now that long might be a couple weeks, might be a month, depending on, on lots of variables. That there's no way we can get into here, but it might even just be a few days. So, you know, like, like, you know, w- when it comes down to it, yes, specificity matters, but the, the, the bulk of the, the 
equation, if you will, of building and maintaining running fitness is just building, and maintaining overall health and fitness. So if you're on the bike and you're focused on mostly on biking right now for one reason or another, are you going to lose a little bit of running fitness? Sure. Is it going to be a, a game changer when you start running again? No. Like you're going to maintain so much um, that you just got to fine tune a little bit. And again, it might take a few weeks. It might take a little longer than that, but way better than by not training, by not being on the bike. Right. So, um, I wouldn't worry, whatever you're going to lose, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, uh, because it's not going to take you that long to get it back. Um, and kudos to you for worrying about, you know, staying in the right zones, building that aerobic base. Um, it's going to serve you well. It's going to serve you well, my friend, uh, whenever you get back to running, uh, near term or long term. All right. So thank you for the question, sir. And hope, uh, hope things are going well, uh, for you and yours these days. Uh, next question from Sherry, best laundry detergent to get running stank out of your clothes. I could do a skunk run and no one would notice. Well, Sherry, you have come to the wrong person for best laundry detergent advice, because as I may or may not have mentioned at various points over the years, I have arguably the worst sense of smell of anyone in the world. Um, and so I don't, I, I just use whatever normal laundry detergent and, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe Rebecca would tell you that there's some, some stank in my clothes, but whatever. I'm not worried about it. Um, so I have no idea, but thankfully Ryan chimed in and said, uh, gave his, his two cents that he's found that, uh, OxyClean odor blasters has worked well for, and it's even labels on there for sweat, musty towels and body odor. So apparently there's some, some heavy duty, something in, uh, in that OxyClean detergent that has worked well for him. So I'm going to, I'm going to yield the floor to Mr. Ortiz and allow him to say that the best thing that he's found is OxyClean odor defense, or what did I say it was? OxyClean odor blasters. Um, because I have no idea. So good luck. Hopefully it gets the, gets the funk out of your clothes. Um, but maybe just, you know, hopefully it works. Hopefully it works. Um, I'm not going to tell you not to worry about the smell because if you can actually smell yourself, then maybe that's, maybe that is something to worry about. I don't have to worry about smelling myself, just other people. And I'm not worried about other people that much because I'm maybe selfish. I don't know. Anyway, uh, thank you for the question, Sherry. Good luck getting the stank out of your clothes. Uh, and hopefully Ryan's suggestion will work for you. Next question from Kevin. Uh, have you used any blood testing services like inside tracker, blueprint, etc.? Uh, either way, curious to your thoughts on them, uh, and, and you know, how it's helped. So, uh, no, Kevin, I haven't. And, and I, I think I've said this once or twice. I, I bought an inside tracker test like four years ago. I've never used it. Uh, I probably should, but my, my thoughts on it. And, and I guess my hesitation, my, my reason that I don't haven't followed through on the one and, and have no real plans on doing it anytime soon is not that I don't think there's value there. Cause I do think it is valuable. I think it's, I think it's, it's very much something that, that we could learn a lot from and, and try to optimize, you know, the, what your blood is showing you, right. As, as far as levels of this hormone, that hormone, vitamins, minerals, etc. The, the problem is, is those tests are not cheap. At least the good ones, the real in-depth ones, they're not cheap. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't argue that any of them are cheap because I think they're the, like the cheapest ones are like 120 or 130 dollars, and that's to me that's not cheap. I don't know. You know, whatever whatever uh, whatever your uh, your budgetary con- constraints may or may not be, but to me that's not cheap. Uh, but then the, the the real in-depth ones are like 400, 500 dollars a month, um, or not a month, but 400, 500 dollars a test. But to really get the value out of them, you need to be testing semi-regularly, at least quarterly, maybe even more often than that, um, so that you can see 
how the changes you're making, how the supplements you're adding or the, the changes you're making dietary wise or, or whatever, how they're working. Do you need to up the dose more? Do we need to, all right, are we good there? Like, like whatever. And so while I'm intrigued, while I think there's value there financially, I just can't afford to be taking one of these tests every, you know, four, six, eight weeks to really get the most out of it. Um, and there, ergo to take one test every, every six months or one test every year, like then you're just kind of like, there's too much of a lag time in between tests to know if what you're doing is working. So like, what's the point is my perspective on it. So I think that could be valuable. I think that, I think that that's something that in the future, whether it's for these types of services or whether it's just for healthcare in general, I think that that's untapped potential and something that hopefully will become more economical. Um, and when it does, I'll be first in line because I think there's a lot of value there. I just, I just can't swing a $500 test that frequently or even a $150 test frequently enough to make it worthwhile right now. So, you know, again, your mileage may vary and if you can afford it or if you can justify it, or if you're already getting it for other medical reasons, so your insurance covers it, I'm all, I'd be all aboard, but it's just like, I'd have to pay out of pocket for all that stuff. And it's just not happening right now. Um, just for fun. Next question from Kevin, what's the highest elevation you've raced or run? I am not entirely sure. And to be honest with you, Kevin, I was way too lazy to go back into the archives of my, my Garmin data and my Strava data to check it. Um, off the top of my head, I would say that the highest elevation that I've either raced at or run might've been Pocatello. I want to say that race, we, we started at the top of mountain for sure and ran downhill into town. I want to say we started at like 6,000 feet ish. So that's, that's pretty high. Um, maybe Blue Ridge. I don't think we ever got that high, but I think Blue Ridge had more elevation change throughout the, the, the course. Certainly had way more climbing than we did at Pocatello. Um, so it'd be one of those two as far as like actually being a runner at the time. Um, I did have a, a couple of summers where I spent a few weeks out at, at, uh, in Estes Park, Colorado, like Rocky Mountain National Park, which I think like just town is at like 8,000 or 9,000 or maybe even 10,000 feet. Um, and I ran a couple times up there. Um, but only like a mile, a mile and a half. And like, I don't remember feeling like I was sucking wind any more so than I was sucking wind anyway, because I just wasn't in shape at the time. I was not much of a runner, like a mile or a mile and a half was a pretty big run for me. Um, and I don't remember it being any harder than my runs at sea level at that, at that time. Um, but if, if that counts, then that's definitely the answer. Estes Park, Colorado, definitely the answer of, of, you know, the highest elevation I've ever run. N- never raced there, but I've run there for a couple miles. Um, race, I think would be Pocatello, I think, but then I was just, was all downhill. And, and to be honest, I didn't notice being short of breath there either. Um, but I'm not saying I wasn't, I'm just saying I didn't notice it. So I don't know, not that you asked if I noticed it, but that those would be my answers, Kevin. So hope all that made sense. Uh, thank you for the question, sir. Really appreciate it. Uh, getting into the, uh, the final stretch ish. I think we got six questions left, seven questions, something like that. Uh, first one from Barb. I have a 25 K and a half marathon scheduled for two weeks later. What would be the best protocol for the time between the two? The plan right now is to run the 25 K relatively easy and race the half. I mean, I think that if that's, if that's the plan, Barb, you hit the nail on the head. Um, that's exactly how I would, I would handle it. Uh, running that 25 K is as, as an easy run last long training run before the, the half marathon. And for those that don't speak metric, a half marathon is like 21.1 K. So you're going a little bit longer, you're going probably about 14, 14 and a half miles. 
Um, actually, no, you're going 15 and a half miles in a 25 K because math 5 K 3.1 miles, five times five, you know, whatever. Um, so you're going 15 miles for the 15 and a half miles for the 25 K run it super easy. Just treat it as a, as your last long run before the half. Then you just taper in between, right? Assuming you come out of the 25 K healthy, no niggles, no issues, no concerns, just a good last long run before the race. Then I would just do normal taper in between, you know, cutting, cutting some volume down, getting a little bit of maybe some strides. There's a, a short, easy workout in there along with some easy miles, uh, just locking and loading and getting ready for the, for the, the half marathon. But I think it'd be a great confidence booster that your fitness is there. You've run 15 miles well now 13 miles on race day. No big deal. No big deal. So, um, Sounds like you've got a good a good plan in place. It all hinges on how you feel coming out of the 25K, but assuming no issues because you're going to run it easy and you're building towards it, should be pretty pretty smooth sailing, just normal taper stuff, normal, semi-normal routine, just decreasing the volume as you get close to that half marathon. So uh, I don't want to confuse you. If I haven't done so already, uh, sounds like you got a good plan. Just stick to it and uh, have fun and hope those races go well for you. All right, now for the uh, the monthly Tom Trifecta. First question from Western New York says, uh, I have enjoyed marathon training without the distraction of all the local 5Ks I usually run. However, some 5K races are now planned for the fall, and I'm feeling some pressure to support these races. What do you think about training for a marathon and trying to run hard some 5K races? I mean, I think it works. You know, going back to Jennifer's question, I think you can do both simultaneously. Um, I think that, that, the, that maybe the best way to do that, if you're not trying to PR the 5Ks, is to incorporate those as part of your long runs for the marathon, for your marathon training. So, you know, maybe that becomes fast finish 5K. So you're still running the 5Ks hard, but you maybe already have 12 miles or more on your feet, easy miles. Then you roll up to the race and you try to time it so you get there just about the same time the race starts. And then you just go out and hammer the last, the last you know, having the 5K as the last three miles of your training run, or maybe you have a mile to run home or whatever the situation might be. But trying to incorporate that, I think that works perfectly. I think it becomes a great marathon preparatory tool. I think it becomes a great workout that's part of the, the routine. You're still getting the, the 5K excitement. You're getting that extra push that you don't get if you're doing the same fast finish long run on your own because you don't have other people around you. And they don't necessarily know that you've already got 12 miles in beforehand. Um, so so they're going to push you and you're going to push back. And yeah, you might not, you might fade a little bit more at the end of the 5k than you normally would. You might not get the PR, even though you're putting in the, the hard effort. Um, but I think that's a, a real easy way to blend the two. If you wanted to just run one of them hard as just a, as a race race, um, and try to PR it. I mean, you could, you could do that first and then go get some extra miles afterwards as part of an extended cool down, you know, get eight or 10 miles afterwards and make that, you know, just that was your long run for the week. Um, but I personally like the like the the fast finish idea because I personally think the fast finish is maybe the the most underrated workout um, for longer races for marathons, half marathons, ultras, etc. Um, I think the I think the fast finish is dynamite. Uh, so you could easily incorporate the five k races into that and be you know two birds one stone in a, in a big way in a big way. So. Um, but ultimately, Tom, don't overthink it. There's multiple ways you can get there. You can still support the local races. You can still train for the marathon. They can, they can work together pretty well. They can work together pretty well. You can do the 5k on Saturday and do your long run on Sunday. You know, there's, there's a way to do it. You know, so you got, you got options. You got options. Uh, next question from Tom. I recently completed a half marathon where each finisher received a brat and a beer at the end of the race. As it turns out, 
That is not what I want immediately after finishing 13.1 miles in hot and humid conditions. What is the wackiest food or drink you have ever received after a race? Um, first of all, Tom, I mean, you know, I, I like a good brat. Whew. There's never a bad time for a good brat, even if it's a hot and humid condition. Um, I'll still take the brat and I might not eat it right away, but we're going to get to that joker before it's all said and done. Um, but you know, whatever to each their own, right? As it turns out, that's not your thing. I'm not going to fault you for that. Uh, the wackiest food or drink situation that I've had after a race, well-documented, um, the seven bridges marathon ran it a few years ago. I ran the full Rebecca ran the half, um, up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, a good race, you know, maybe another one that could have been on the list with, with Ryan's, uh, you know, underrated, uh, smaller race situations. Like that was a good race. Chattanooga is a fun town. So we definitely encourage that one as well. Um, but their post race situation was, was poor, was poor, um, spaghetti and like little Debbie sticky buns was like, that was like it. And I wanted nothing to do with either of them. So that, that was not, I don't know if it was wacky, but not, no, I'll take, I'll take a brat and a beer and a hot cup of coffee after a hot, humid race way before I'll take spaghetti. Like, like it was like, Hey, we got leftover and not that they did this, but it's just like, we got leftover carb load and stuff from the night before. Hey, let's just serve that post race. Like, no, 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 I don't No, No, I want the brat and the beer, not the, uh, not the sticky bun and the spaghetti. So yeah, I don't, I don't need spaghetti after a race. That's for sure. Um, and again, I'm sure some people ate it up. Some people loved it. That was not for me, not for me at all. Thanks for bringing that memory up, Tom. And, uh, last but not least, another, another sore spot, if you will, uh, Tom's final question. How do you think the Detroit lions will do this year? Can the lions beat the mighty bills? Well, I mean, the lions are the lions. Come on, Tom. Um, I don't know. I'm a Lions fan through and through, have been forever, will be forever. Hope springs eternal this time of year. There's always that optimism that maybe this year, not that not the Lions are going to be great, but like maybe this year the Lions will be, you know, competitive. Like maybe we'll be competitive this year. Maybe we'll win a couple games. Uh, maybe maybe surprise a couple people. Like I'm cautiously optimistic. I like the direction that the team is going with the new coach and the new some of the new philosophies and some of the new ways that uh, that they're trying to, to point the ship. Um, but I was cautiously optimistic with the last regime and that, uh, did not exactly turn out well either. So, you know, I mean, that said, you know, can the lions beat the bills? I mean, no, probably not. But like in the NFL, like have stranger things happened? Of course, you know, like, like the, the prime example of that was, uh, whatever year was it? 91 when the Redskins were, uh, 15 and one and the Dallas Cowboys were one and 15 and the one for each of those was one of the times they played each other. So, you know, in the NFL, stranger things have happened than a team that's that's garbage beating a team that's a Super Bowl contender. Um, so, yeah, can they beat the Bills? Sure, they can. Will they? I mean, I'm not – I wouldn't – there'd be no smart money on that unless the spread was like – you know, if you got the, if you got the points and they had like 25, 30 points, then maybe. Maybe you take the points. But they're still like head-to-head. Like, I wouldn't bet on it. Could they? Sure. Uh, will the Lions do, I mean, you know, if the Lions win seven games this year, that would be, that would be a pretty successful season for the Lions this year, probably. Um, so yeah, hope springs eternal, but like, I'm not, I'm also a realist. Lions are not going to be good this year. Um, the bills should be good this year. Um, so, you know, enjoy, enjoy your time getting back towards the top of the mountain in the NFL while the us Lions fans will continue to enjoy 
mediocrity. If we can, if we can reach mediocrity, we'll call that a success. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for the questions, Tom. As always three to go. First one from Hilda. If you don't finish a race, do you still accept the medal? My last race, I took a wrong turn. Didn't realize it until it was too late. Had already crossed the finish line. Really, I had no reason to cut the course. It was just a dumb mistake following the wrong crowd and poor route markings. I told the timing director as soon as I realized it, not sure if I wanted to return the medal or not. Um, I mean, I think, I think that in that situation, Hilda, like, like I would have no problem accepting the medal, um, keeping it like an honest mistake, something that you didn't necessarily set out to do anything wrong. Now, obviously there wouldn't be any, I wouldn't take any type of age group situation, you know, because like, you know, clearly like, like any type of finishers, any type of podium situation. Yeah. Like, like that, I wouldn't be able to, to happen, but just like a finishing medal. Like, yeah, like, okay. Um, now if there was another reason I didn't finish the race, then I maybe would have a little bit different personally have a different feeling. I don't care what you, what, what you do, what anybody does, you know, like, like, uh, you know, people that don't finish a, a race for whatever reason, they still get the medal and they're still happy with the medal. They put in the work to get there, whatever. Hey, you do you. Um, I would have a hard time with that. I don't know that I could do it. Um, but in, in that, in that specific situation, like, I mean, yeah, I think I would take the, me- I think I would take the medal as long as it wasn't something totally ridiculous where like you were running a half marathon and you end up running eight miles, you know, but that, that would be pretty obvious, right? If it was, if you ended up running 12 miles instead of 13, cause he missed a turn, like, yeah, I mean, I would still take, I would still take the medal. Just make sure that it wasn't, that I wasn't bumping somebody out of a podium spot because that would be, sh- that'd be pretty shitty. Um, especially since you realized what had happened and you, hey, and you did the right thing. You, you reported it. Hey, this is a mistake I made. It might technically be a DNF, but if you got the medal, like that's, I'm still okay with that. I'm still okay with that for sure. Um, but what I am, what I'm okay with is doesn't matter. It's what, what you're okay with and whatever decision you would make, that's the right decision for you. Um, two questions left. First one from Jasmine. Hope I'm not too late. This is long. I'm training for my first marathon. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. And I'm running four days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, long run on Saturday. So getting a little context here, my mileage progressions progresses upward all week. So it's like three miles on Monday, three miles on Wednesday, six miles on Thursday. And then, you know, the progressively longer runs on Saturday, but I'm wondering if I should change up the schedule because sometimes I feel, um, so tired for the longest, for the longest Thursday runs. And also it and ended up cutting that short. Also wondering if the longer runs on Thursday are affecting my long runs. So would it be okay if I'm reading the question here, right? If it would be okay to switch Wednesday and Thursday. So you're doing like three miles on Monday, six miles on Wednesday, three miles on Thursday and the long run on Saturday. Uh, I know I need to learn to run on tired legs, but does the order really matter? I feel like it might help me feel more rested for my long run. I plan to experiment this next week, this week and next as I have two identical training weeks scheduled, just wondering. So, um, yeah. I mean, I think that, that flipping them, if that works better for you, Jasmine, I have zero reasons to think that that would be a bad, bad situation. Um, I think that, I think that a lot of times what can happen and, and this is where I kind of rail on the, the one size fits all training plan situations, but just because that's how whoever wrote the plan and just like whatever the plan is, like, doesn't mean that's the only way. Right. And I think that, that, a big part of training for any race, but certainly your first marathon is giving yourself the best chance to feel like you're mentally, like mentally that you're, that you're being prepared, 
right? Like to have the, the confidence that the training you're doing is working. And so if, if you're struggling with the Thursday runs, um, I feel like that's, that's asking for a seed of doubt to be planted. And then, especially as the longer runs continue to progress, as you get up to 16 miles and 18 miles and 20 miles, like you're doing, you're struggling with the six because it's the day after the three. And then maybe that, that bleeds into a little bit of fatigue feeling on Saturday as well. So now the long runs are even more of a struggle. Like, again, I'm not trying to project, but I'm just saying like, that's, that's asking for a seed of doubt. And now you, now you're always wondering, well, did I do enough? Did I, am I going to be able to do this? I don't know. If you can flip the miles from from three on Wednesday to three on Thursday, six on Thursday, six on Wednesday, get that get that little bit longer run on Wednesday, coming off an off day, and then the next day it's a little bit shorter run, no big deal, day off, and then long run. Um, to me, the order doesn't matter. To me, it's not even a, a, a really matter of learning to run on tired legs because because in that situation, like yes, in theory, right? But you'll get you'll get that practice with the long runs, right? If you're if you're constantly putting yourself in that that situation, for some people, yes, like that's that's a good thing to do, to work on running on tired legs when maybe you've got more of a base. You've been been you know your fifth marathon, your tenth marathon, something like that. What I would be concerned with is if you're trying to teach yourself to run on tired legs, but when you're tired, if your form goes sideways a little bit, now you're opening yourself up for a better risk of injury not a better risk, a higher risk of injury, which would probably be the worst risk. Right. Um, and you don't want that. Right. So, so switch the miles to, to from Wednesday to Thursday, switch those days around. And if that helps, if that helps you feel fresher on, on Thursday to have a good solid three and then be a little more recovered for Saturday, I think that's, that's hundred percent the right thing to do. Try it out and see. I mean, that, that's, that's ultimately the right thing to do. Try it out and see, but don't get, don't get caught up on, on, it has to be these days. I mean, you could, you could do Monday and Tuesday and take Wednesday off and run third, like whatever you've got, you've got a lot, whatever schedule kind of fits your life, but goodness gracious, don't worry about, you know, and if, and if it gets to the point where that six is, is you has to stay that way, but maybe the six turns into like, you don't have to progress that you could even do shorter than that. Like there's so many ways to get there. Um, don't worry about adhering strictly to the schedule. Um, but yeah, just try flipping those days. And if that works, good to go good to go. But congratulations on, uh, getting ready for your first marathon. Hope it's going well. And I can't wait to, uh, to see that, that metal post in the, in the group and, and, uh, certainly give you a, a well-deserved congratulations and welcome to club 26.2, uh, before too much longer. So, uh, thank you for the question, Jasmine. Hope things are going well. Last but not least, Brian from the great white North chimes in and says, is it too early to plan and train for the Diz runs new year's fat ass? Um, no, no, I, with it, with the caveat of I'm not starting to plan for it yet. I'll start to plan for it on like December 15th ish, maybe. Um, but yes, we will probably almost assuredly be doing the, uh, the DRNYFA again this year. Uh, for those who missed the party last year, it was, uh, the, the opportunity to run as many five K's as you want on new year's day, starting on, you know, whatever, whatever midnight is for you, uh, every hour on the hour, not that you need to run them consecutively, but you can run, you know, three, five, 10, whatever you want to do. Um, try to have some prizes, some, some shenanigans that, to, you know, to, to, to add a little fun to it, but a great way to start the new year. Um, so yeah, if you want to start training for it right now, my man, go for it, go for it. I'm not training for it yet. Uh, I'll, like I said, I'll get serious about it. I'll, I'll do my, my normal thing. I'll wait to the last minute somewhere, somewhere in, uh, in December, I'll start to, to really kind of make the plan. I think, I think last year we pulled it together in like two weeks, right? Like it wasn't a big thing. 
Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And so we'll definitely do it again this year. You can plan on it happening. So if you want to start training for it, start mixing in those five K's throughout the day, uh, you be my guest, but, uh, set your, set your calendars for January 1st, 2022, the uh, second annual DRNYFA will be coming to, coming to your location, right? Cause it's all, that's all, that's all virtual. It's all on your honor. Um, but we will be doing that again for sure. So, you know, I guess it's never too early to start preparing, right? Never too early to start training, uh, if that's what you want to do. But, uh, thanks for the question, Brian. Thanks for bringing it up. Thanks for planting that seed. Hopefully we'll get, uh, even more people participating next year, but, uh, that'll worry. We'll worry about that in January. As for now, we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, y'all thank you for the questions. Hope there was something useful in there. Never sure that there is. Always hopeful, though, that something useful fell out of my mouth while answering all those questions. Uh, but thank you all for the questions. And once again, if you're not part of the Facebook group yet, come join the party. Dizruns.com slash Facebook is the link, or just search for the Dizruns tribe. Click to join. We'll let you in. And uh, a few weeks from now, we'll be putting a post out that says, hey, what are your questions for September? Chris can chime in and be like, where the heck did September go? How is it already time for the cues? Uh, but you give me some cues, I'll AM for you. About a month from now, we'll do this all again. Uh, but until then, y'all, please be well. Take good care. Oh, wait a second. Let's not put the cart too far in front of the horse. Did I get any answers? I, I'm sure I got answers wrong. Tell me what I got wrong at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. Send an email to Dizruns at gmail.com. Uh, head over to the show notes for the day, Dizruns.com slash 973. As always, way too many, way too much time spent on memes and on GIFs and the whole nine yards for a Q&A episode. But uh, check them out anyway, Dizruns.com slash 973. You can also leave a uh, comment down there at the bottom of the page. And uh, last but not least, if you listen to this on uh, YouTube, watching it on YouTube, Leave a comment in the comment section there, too. We'd love to hear from you. But uh, until next time, y'all, please be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, my voice made it. Another, another Q&A down. We survived. See you next time. Take care, guys.